Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And a very good uh, morning to you and let us start on a real high and on a real positive by congratulating the uh, the young lads on the all the Cork minor team picking up the uh, All-Ireland Cup yesterday and of course they've done the double now with their great win yesterday went into extra time over Galway Mary's already been on to say Patricia congratulations to the Cork minor team what a great match what a great win well done to Michael O'Neill says Mary who is bemoaning the fact that Botafant didn't put up more uh, flags but congratulations it really was a great win and I know Simon on the breakfast uh, show was telling me that the manager Bobby O'Dwyer is going to be joining him on the programme tomorrow. He was doing his best to try to get him today but obviously the day after an All-Ireland win it's always really hard to track people down so Bobby's going to join Simon tomorrow. It'll be interesting to hear what Bobby has to say even though I was reading a piece in the sports section of the Examiner this morning where Bobby O'Dwyer is laying much of the credit for the turnaround in Cork's football fortunes at the doorsteps of Conor Cunningham. Uh, Conor of course was the All-Ireland winning manager back in 2010 and he was was appointed earlier this year project coordinator for the Gaelic football in the county with his main remit being to implement Cork's football's five-year plan. And according to Bobby O'Dwyer, Connor has pulled an awful lot of strands together within the GAA family down here in Cork and he said it's absolutely no coincidence that the results are starting to go our way because he said from the point of view of being a manager of a county team having Connor there outside of the benefit of his knowledge his ability to link the parties within the Cork GAA family that needed to be linked and being able to remove obstacles that may or may not be there he said it's been a huge benefit to the county so uh, well done to Bobby O'Dwyer but uh, well done to him for giving credit to Conor Cunahan and that all sort of bodes well does it not for the future of football in the county but congratulations to the young lads and no doubt there will be a lot of celebrations and well-deserved uh, celebrations where for Kerry uh, and our Dublin they've got to hold off on celebrating because as we know there was a, a thrilling final yesterday and now it goes to a replay. Many will say and and one w- w- only time will tell uh, did, did Kerry lose their chance yesterday? Was it their one 
chance to get at Dublin, particularly when they went down to 14 men. And of course, much talk today in a lot of the papers of the replay. There was 82,000 fans in at Coke Park yesterday. I mean, it was an enthralling match. Both sides kept pace. There was passion. There was uh, there was commitment. Tensions, of course, rose at the end of the first half when Johnny Cooper was controversially uh, dismissed. That was over the fouls on David Clifford. But Kerry failed to make the extra man count and uh, breathed a huge sigh of relief. Then at the end, as Dean Rock, his free kick dropped him. He got a free kick deep into stoppage time. That would have sealed the historic five wins for Dublin, but it sailed agonisingly wide and I'm sure for the Dublin people watching it they, I'd say they imagine they watched it in complete and utter slow motion but certainly for a neutral watching it it was a very exciting game but for Kerry and Dublin people God it's a wonder there wasn't many a heart attack during that match both teams now will have to return to Coke Park on Saturday, September 14th, they'll do it all over again. And hopefully on that day, somebody will walk away with the Sam Maguire. What a lot of people though are talking about today is it is a huge bonus payday for the GAA. It's worth five million, the replay is, to the GAA. And one supporter, as he was exiting the ground yesterday, said, sure, the GAA will love a replay with the money they'll make out, out of it, as will Dub- Dublin's Chamber of Commerce. It's estimated that the replay is worth more than €12 million Euro to the GAA and to the city. So certainly the match uh, won't do any harm to either the GAA or indeed to the business community in uh, Dublin. So your thoughts, if you did watch the match yesterday, did Kerry really lose out on, on a chance to beat Dublin? Can you see them doing it all over again in two weeks' time? Or will Dublin come out and then will it be a very different Dublin we'll see in uh, two weeks' time? But it certainly was a very enjoyable match. Your thoughts uh, welcomed uh, on it throughout the morning. John Paul's taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp the programme to 0862-103-103. And I've straight away seen a text come in saying, come on the dubs again. And that's from a well-known North Cork GAA man who is supporting uh, Dublin. Coming up on the programme this morning now, we are going to look at what happened at the Douglas Village shopping centre on Saturday night and a fire which is now reported to have cost millions of euro worth of Damage and destroyed up to 60 cars in the multi-storey car park at Douglas Village uh, Shopping Centre. A Garda technical team entered the building yesterday morning. They traced the source of the blaze to an Opel Safira, which caught fire in the central parking lot. And as we know, blocking was we know it was on level one. The owner of the car seemingly spotted the fire at about half past six on Saturday and raised the alarm. The security people then in the area sealed off the parking area before evacuating the shopping centre. And then it was how quick the blaze spread from one car to the next car. And there was a lot of video footage. People get the best thing about the the cameras now and the phones. People are out straight away with their phones. And you could clearly see in one person got very clear video footage of the car on fire. Uh, 
and you know at that stage there didn't seem to be any panic or whatever it just seemed like one car was on fire I suppose most people thought they'll get that under control and it'll be fine and we'll be able to get our cars and take away and, and drive away but then to see from that particular shot to see the shots from yesterday morning of it was like Armageddon inside in the car park all the burnt out uh, cars 60 it, it destroyed in total and of course as we know there's about 200 other cars on different levels and I imagine there's probably some on level one as well that may be okay but there's ones on different levels now the problem is trying to get them out and it, there's no way that they can the cars can be driven out certainly at this stage I mean there's talks that they may have to bring in cranes to lift them out so we're going to be talking about that we'll also hear some eyewitness reports of people who were at the fire and also of course the question for everyone from the business point of view is when will the shopping centre uh, reopen but when people started to hear that it was a, an, it was confirmed that it was an Opel Safira was the car that caught fire the Opel Safira was the car that we were talking about back in let me check the date we were talking about it back in April May of 2016 because certainly in April of 2016, the Opel car company were asking Irish owners of Severa B to return vehicles. And this was due to possible overheating. And at that stage, there had been a Vauxhall Severa going on fire in South um, West London was the latest Severa to actually go on uh, fire. So 8,000, Opel recalled 8,200 cars in May of 2016. So that's over three years ago and they checked them and I'm assuming whatever they needed to do, they did to them at that stage. But then I can see a report from April of this year from Sky News saying that Vauxhall were recalling Severa models for a third time again over fire risks and this was the firefighters had to extinguish a Severa which uh, caught fire somewhere in England and that was in April so it was it was the fourth fire related recall of Severa B's Severa uh, B models and that was in April of this year but that seemed to be only in United Cars UK Cars had the recall. I don't know if Irish cars were recalled again following the initial recall in May of 2016. I'll see if I can do a bit more digging around there just to see if there was any more cars called in because other Opus of Eras had gone on fire. Anyway, no doubt it'll all form part of the investigation and insurance companies are going to have a huge amount of uh, payouts, that's for sure. So we'll talk about that on the programme and we welcome your thoughts and comments. I don't know if anybody listening has a car caught in Douglas Village Shopping Centre or if you were down there on Saturday and have anything to add to it, give John Paul a call at 1850-333-103. We're also going to get an update on the school bus situation there Now, some additional buses have been added to some routes, not all routes, unfortunately, but to some routes they, they have been added. We very much focused on the Ballinine and Eskeen area on Friday. When was it 18 students don't have 
a seat on the bus this year and I've just spotted another text in from one of the parents involved here saying Patricia I'm contacting you about the school bus situation in Ballinine and Eskeen it get, it just gets worse on Friday without so much as an email or a phone call my money was refunded I'd previously begun an appeals process and I've since begun another appeals process I was back I am back to work this week and I do not know how I'm going to manage. This is having a very negative impact on my daughter's mental health and well-being. It is very hard to understand when, if you look at the situation logically, a bigger bus or an extra bus is put on. It will simply solve the problem. Thank you for taking the time to speak with Nora and Magella, the two mothers who shared the story on behalf of all the other parents uh, last Friday on the programme and the absolute nightmare of heading back to work and trying to work out how am I going to get the child to school? How am I going to get the young person collected again in the evening? It really is uh, an absolute nightmare for so many parents. Anyway, we're going to speak with Senator Tim Lombard, who has been very involved in trying to get extra buses put on and trying to solve problems for as many of the families involved as possible. We're also going to hear changes to how childminders operate in this uh, country. There are many, many uh, people listening to this uh, programme who will be childminders and there's also many people who perhaps at work who've dropped their child to a childminder this morning and childminders there might be a friend it might be somebody down the road it might be somebody who's been acting as a childminder in your area for many many years in rural areas in particular there'll always be some very kind woman who's been kind of the local childminder who started it many years ago maybe just minding one child might be minding two or three children now and people love dropping their kids to the childminder they think it's a much more personal service also childminders are great when the children start school in primary school and that they're able to drop them and collect them you know worried about a school bus service uh, that's for sure Anyway, we know that Catherine Sabone has been trying to bring in all kinds of different rules and regulations governing uh, childminders. Now, we're hoping that it's a benefit to everyone, but the feeling is that if you bring in a lot of very strict criteria and rules and regulations, will it turn off some people who might just decide to stay, oh God, do I really want to be a childminder at all? And we definitely don't want to lose childminders because we know there are excellent creches many, many excellent creches in this country and they work to very high standards but they can be very expensive and it can be a very expensive way for families to have their children looked after. The cheaper option has always been the childminder, the childminder either coming into the children's home or the child, you drop your child to the childminder and actually the rules and regulations that have been introduced by the Minister for Children, Catherine Sabon, will only govern childminders who look after children in the childminder's home. It's not a childminder coming into your home. So therefore a nanny, a living nanny or an au pair is not going to be covered. It also, by the way, doesn't in any way affect grandparents who look after their children because we know there is a large number of wonderful grannies and granddads uh, who look after the, the small ones every day. Uh, 1850-333-103. And we'll preview the Sam Maguire Sevens. Now this is an inaugural event and it is happening next Saturday. We're very proud to be media partners here. Uh, 
here but this is going to be a huge huge event in Dunmanway and we'll be talking about it on the programme today and throughout the morning feel free to get your questions in for Annalise Drussell our nutritional therapist she'll join us in the final hour of the programme thank you to somebody who sent a voice message on uh, WhatsApp when we were congratulating the Cork Miners on their great win uh, yesterday so don't forget Patricia to congratulate the under 16s they won the All-Ireland Hurling Championship in Mallow on Saturday of course they did uh, well done and congratulations to the stars of today and very much the stars of uh, tomorrow on the Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Mary says, hi Patricia. I passed by Douglas Shopping Centre on Saturday morning and it was a hive of activity. The market market was on outside and the sun was shining. When I heard about the fire then later on on Saturday evening, I was shocked. Immediately I thought about the fact that sometimes people leave their children in a car. You know, oh, I'm just popping into the shop for a minute. Or maybe even an elderly relative who might have mobility issues easier to leave granny in the car while you're running in to get your messages. Thank God, says Mary, that didn't happen and nobody was injured. Yes, it is bad enough that people are without their jobs or without their cars today, but it would be a very different story if somebody had been trapped and there was a loss of a life. How right you are, uh, Mary. And it was one of the first things that uh, I even said earlier was, thank God, you know, cars can be replaced, buildings can be replaced, businesses can recover. Uh, but a life taken can't. Uh, so, yeah, uh, well done, Mary. Thank you for that. And John O'Donovan said a lot of questions are to be asked about what happened to Dublin, Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Firstly, with regard to fire training. When it comes to the car park in Douglas, how can something so small get so out of control? Could security not have quenched the fire before it got out of hand? Were there not fire extinguishers around that could have been used? If so, it could have prevented the amount of damage that has occurred, all emanating from one fire in one car. Uh, you know, and, and actually somebody else was saying at the weekend there was no sprinkler system. Now, I don't know if there's sprinkler systems in every um, high-rise car park, whether they, whether they have them or not. And maybe that's something that will be looked at now after this. But... I have to agree with you, John, in that when I saw the initial video footage of the car on fire and it was just one car on fire, that did strike me why nobody was rushing to get fire extinguishers or that there wasn't some fire safety drills. Because I know certainly in this building we have fire wardens, for example. I think we have two fire wardens. I'm sure our own John Paul is, is a fire warden here in uh, C103. And his big thing is to, you know, to get everybody out of the building and all of that. But I know part of the fire train training was on the use of fire extinguishers. So yeah, I mean, no doubt that will all get looked into. But it is uh, something that certainly people are talking about uh, today. Thank you for that, uh, John. And thank you to John in Bantry who was on to say, Patricia, could you say well done to all who organised the Bantry show yesterday it was a great event and thanks to the Stuarts who helped out and uh, who helped me and others out to get into the site so well done to all of the Stuarts and a very successful Bantry show yesterday can I go from Bantry to Butterfant very quickly because due to a burst water main there's no water in Butterfant today from now until about five o'clock this evening, Cork County Council and Irish Water working to get that supply back up and running. But they want to apologise for any inconvenience caused. But it was a burst water main, so there was nothing they could do to warn people in advance. So, water.
water out in Butterfant. 1850-333-103. Let's take a break and we'll come back speaking with uh, Fiona Corcoran about that fire in the Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Laura Gaelga, RC103. Rugga Conor McGregor and Cahula Dig Duul, Nadeug Octobok, the Grumman, the Mala Ahaclea. Drastal Share, Well Skull, Dun Vonskalech, Agus Arguel Cloth, Dun Vonskalech. Agisha Doju, Cosi Connor, Agdurnolyuk, Agus Agisha Octiug, Vugshe, Kate Hamortis, Profesunta. In the Egyptian, Hosikshe, UFC, La John Kavanagh, Marrain Oli. Togal Lassan Magel. The notorious August Mystic Man. Tashe Kuig Hri Ne Norlach in Arda, August Teresh Doctor de Vuenche, Kenyan She Urador Dovain. Tashe Fehe Ne Mlin Dish, August Topos da Warlgen, Connor Jack, Lena Fortner D. Devlin. Isay Untained Champion, Ernok Atagwin, the UFC. Sin Aline Korach Maskeha. Forshe Ain Kade Maloon Dollar Dun Trid, Aguina Mayweather, Elunasa Anuri. Is far on Severe gone in a go. A blur Gwelga is Misha Podge de Batoon or Gwell Skulls Mostavish Paula. CKade Asa 3 Kirkig. C103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the very first Cork Volunteer Awards, taking place Friday, October 11th. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The Cork Volunteer Awards 2019 at the Kingsley Hotel with Cork Volunteer Centre, Cork Independent and Cork's Greatest hits, C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, as we've been hearing uh, all morning and indeed across the weekend, a blaze at the Douglas Village uh, Shopping Centre car park on Saturday has left up to 60 cars destroyed and it may have inflicted serious structural damage to the building. Now, we are hoping to speak with uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter who was down in Douglas on uh, Saturday, but at the moment she's with the launch of the air ambulance, and we may not get to her. But she has sent us on some packages of some of the people that she spoke with. She spoke with some of the people who were at the fire on uh, Saturday uh, evening, and here's what some of them had to say. Um, so I was in there shopping at five o'clock today. Um, went up to Tesco's, finished paying for my shopping about three minutes to seven left Tesco's and heard kind of like a bang I thought it sounded like firecrackers um, and then I saw that the escalators were turning off and people were coming down the escalators so you couldn't go up to your car park um, and then people were kind of there was no panic people were very calmly kind of unaware of what's going on and were kind of walking out the exit and then standing outside the Tesco entrance you could see flumes of black cloud um, billowing out of the building um, so what did you think when you saw that? Um, just on fire people around me had kind of said that there was um, a car on fire on the first floor um, supposedly a woman had come running down the um, the ramp saying my car's on fire yeah. um, was your car parked inside there? yeah it's on level one um, at the other end so I'm just trying to find out tonight now if my car is there or not I'm supposed to fly out to Portugal in my holidays tomorrow <laughs> what time are you supposed to be flying at? Uh, one o'clock um, so just, I'd love just to know if um, if it's there or not. I only got it in May, so I'm kind of attached to it. But look, thankfully nobody's hurt. A few minutes earlier, I could have been up getting into my car, 
going home, putting my child in the back seat, it could be a very different story. So thankfully, the time of day as well, you know, the shopping centre is emptying out. So thankfully, um, look, all we've got to do now is just wait and see. And it is what it is. Have you been able to get any information about your car or where the fire actually happened in the car park and whether it was near where your car was parked? No, not specifically, like, but you're just hearing from people that were coming out of the car park earlier and people that were saying that they've heard 50, 60 cars are gone, you know. Um, so it wasn't a small fire by any means. Um, from about 7 to 20 past 7, you would hear a lot of um, loud bangs. So I don't know, was it tyres or glass breaking and things like that. So. You still be able to go on your holiday. <laughs> well, I, I'm going now and there better be a big drink waiting for me. Here's <laughs> father, I'm just, uh, I don't, uh, I'm into cars, so I, I mean, I'm a mechanic. I brought my assessor, my assessor so with me. me along to um, just see. But he was there when I bought it in May, so he has to come and see its demise. No, <laughs> what kind of a car was it? It's a Mazda CX-5, so a nice, a nice Jeep, but a nice Jeep. But look, the only thing is my little girl's polar bear is inside, so. She's, look, she's looking for him now for bedtime, but you look, we'll find a replacement for him. But look, we might get good news. I'll remain positive until we hear further. Uh, well, nothing since I got here, but there was uh, a car went on fire in the car park. Mm. A couple of cars were damaged, and there was black smoke everywhere. Was it scary for the people standing here and seeing the amount of smoke and the flames? Well, I think it was, and it looked really mm. extremely uh, frightening. <laughs> Did you have a car in there? I didn't know, but I often park there, and, I, and actually this, the roofs are very low and the cars are packed, you know. I'd imagine a car fire would be uh, really serious, because like, it could be overcome by smoke. Just if you're sitting in a car waiting for your wife who is shopping or something, you could be caught in the smoke. So, uh, yeah, it's a shock. I hate that it happened, because um, after the flooding, the last time the place nearly closed down, you know, there's so many shops everything was uh, took about a year or so to recover I know you've fire what about yourself do you have a car how are you doing no I don't have a car inside there no so um, yeah sure it is tis a, tis a, tis a bit of a tragedy really and um, hopefully you know hopefully you can get back to full recovery in uh, no time did you just come over when you heard about what was happening I did well I, I, I was passing the road there are you from Douglas um, no, I'm actually from West Cork. Yeah, but I'm living in Douglas. Hopefully, hopefully it'll get back to full recovery anyway, and hopefully it won't result in shop closures. You know, a lot of shop closures throughout the centre, especially. Do you have a car inside? Yeah. I am. Yeah, <laughs> Our car there, yeah. yeah. And uh, we came from the. Uh, restaurant and collect our car and been able to collect yeah. Is your car on the first floor uh first yeah, floor yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so have you heard about what's happened well, to we car? hope we hope it's kind of far end so yeah. hopefully it's not not that not damaged or anything like uh it's, yeah we, we don't know like there's very little information we've been given yeah so, like you don't know when you'll be able to find out about your car even no. or get no we don't we don't know I was Fiona speaking with some of the eyewitnesses, including people whose cars were were inside. Everybody was very calm, which is which is terrific. And I think it goes back again to the point that there was no loss of life, and those cars can all be uh, replaced. And let's also. 
uh, say well done to it took up to 50 firefighters from across the city and county and they worked for almost four hours to bring the blaze under control and they have been widely praised uh, for preventing the, the blaze from spreading to the adjoining shopping centre so uh, well done to the 50 odd uh, firefighters and a total of 193 cars are still parked inside and arrangements obviously are now being made to try to get them removed and there's talks of cranes being used over the coming days. Now I know that the management at the shopping centre have set up a helpline on 087 950 and that's specifically for the affected car owners to make contact with them but I'm sure at this stage most people have got that number and have already contacted the uh, management. Speaking of the management, the manager of the Douglas Village Shopping Centre also spoke to Fiona yesterday and here's what he had to say. The team of our consultants, engineers are trying to establish where are we in relation to the building. We've already taken numbers of a lot of people that have the cars inside. Now we know for a fact we won't be able to drive the cars out so they will more likely have to be lifted. So we're waiting for our consultants to come up with a plan of what's the best way of doing it, which I'm hoping will be, you know, in the next in the next day or so. You know, so so hopefully Monday have an emergency team in place. Any idea when the shopping centre might reopen? No, there's just so many factors to it. One is obviously structural. The other one is kind of forensics. There's guard investigation. There's, you know, there's there's just a lot like you know there's a lot of external factors that we just don't know how it's going to unfold in relation to say how long it could take Alright that is the manager of the Douglas Village uh, Shopping Centre and the Douglas Post Office obviously is closed uh, because of the fire and payments have been transferred Uh, we wish to advise customers of Douglas Post Office that as a result of the devastating fire payments have been transferred to the Black Rock Post Office at Scally Supervalue in Black Rock Okay, so if you get a Department of, of Social Protection payment to Douglas Post Office. You can now instead collect it at Black Rock Post Office at Scally's Super Value in Black Rock. Fiona Corcoran, who was doing those reports uh, to us, oh, is, is yeah, now on the is on Thursday. the line. Uh, good morning to Fiona. Morning, um, oh, I'm very well. We were listening to your reports and your eyewitness uh, reports from uh, Saturday, and also you chat with the manager. What's the latest today? Is there any update this morning? Uh, no, they're still assessing the situation. Uh, the manager, as you heard there, what he was saying to me yesterday is still the same today. Um, they have to get, um, even though there has been an assessment carried out, they need to do another assessment and they have an emergency team set up and they are trying to, I suppose, first of all, the main priority for them is to try and get the cars that are trapped inside the multi-story car park to get them out um, and that's going to be a massive operation. So they need to try and decide the best measure to take to, in order to do that safely. Um, so that is c- kind of making up the main uh, bulk of their discussion right now. Um, and I, I understand that they are in talks with a crane operator um, and that they'll be having a further meeting with them at around lunchtime today. So we might have a further update on that situation later today, but I would suspect it'll be tomorrow before we see any thing being done in relation to that and um, now one suggestion is that they will um, drive the cars up to the top floor and get them um, lifted out by the crane but I suppose this is all part of the discussion and um, you know it's very it's a very um, it's going to have to be a very 
uh, careful operation. The, uh, the the second floor and the first floor have been really badly damaged. And anybody who has seen the images that Cork City Fire uh, Service shared on, on social media over the weekend will have seen the extent of that damage. The floor is completely bent and warped and um, is really not safe. So um, that discussion is ongoing today. They'll also be discussing when the uh, shopping centre can reopen but I suspect it'll be closer towards the end of the week before we see that actually happening Um, But isn't it fair to say that a car park is absolutely crucial to the success of trading in in that shopping centre? Like I did speak to some businesses um, yesterday, and they wouldn't go on record. I suppose it was just too early yesterday to to talk about these kind of things. But um, there's a huge concern, obviously, that when the shopping centre does reopen, that trade will fall because people just can't get in and around Douglas. And anybody who knows Douglas will know that there isn't a huge amount of parking there anyway at the best of times. Um, so uh, there have been... Um, people asking the City Council to maybe consider some sort of an assistance uh, for traders with regards to maybe bringing in parking uh, measures, parking incentives and maybe reducing rates and um, I know Councillor Mary Rose Desmond yesterday said that she had been in discussions with Anne Doherty the Chief Executive of Cork City Council already with regards to this issue so again that's something that the City Council will be discussing over the coming days and uh, to Simon Coveney has just been here talking to media in Mill Street this morning and I did put that question to him and he said that um, you know that that's obviously an issue for the City Council to discuss but he would be encouraging everyone to try and support people at this time and especially over the coming weeks um, you know it is going to be a very difficult time for the traders and we saw uh, Patricia there a couple of years ago that that shopping centre was victim to a flood and um, it took a long time to recover from that. So um, people are hoping that it doesn't take as long this time, um, but obviously it will take some time to fully recover. And um, as you heard from the interview there with Bartos, the shopping mall itself is fine. There's a couple of shops, I think maybe four shops in total, that have been um, damaged from water and smoke, but um, I don't think the damage is very severe. Um, and the mall itself is, is, is okay. And it's Good. Small part of it. So, uh, and even with regards to the car park itself, um, I know there was talk over the weekend about it being demolished. Um, but the car park is actually divided up into three different units, and the fire was sustained or contained in uh, to one unit. So I think if there is any demolition that has to happen, it would probably just be that one unit. Well, that's good. That's good. Car park, yeah. But again, like you know, this is all. Um, um, these are all things that have to be discussed over the coming days and, and Bartos did say that he will update people on a daily basis okay. and, and the other one sprinkler system was there a sprinkler system in the car park? No, no. Um, now there was a sprinkler system in the shopping centre but not in the not car in the park, car park. I think okay. that that's the design of car parks and I was asking somebody else here this morning uh, you know why wouldn't they have a sprinkler system in a car park and I think that if there was a fire and you pour water on a petrol tank, um, it's just going to make the situation worse. Of course, um, of course. So obviously that's something that has to be looked at as well. Okay. All right, listen, uh, we leave it there. Uh, no doubt okay. uh, we'll get updates uh, from you throughout the week, Fiona. But thank you for that yep. and thanks for joining right, us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news uh, reporter. Heidi, Patricia, it's a big shame about the car park fire in Douglas. We shop there often. I thought they had sprinklers. Why did they not operate? Well, that's just been answered by uh, Fiona. 
Fiona. Uh, John says, Patricia, it's a disgrace to see what happened in Douglas Village Shopping Centre in this day and age. It takes at least 10 minutes for a car to catch fire and 10 more minutes to fully burn out. Was everybody asleep in the shopping centre? All these safety regulations these days, there can be no excuses. It's shopping centre. Who's at fault here? No matter what make of car, it's a disgrace. It's all about whose fault it is now. Uh, what about if there was a loss of life, says John? Well, thankfully there wasn't. We're not looking at a loss of life uh, this morning. But don't you know, we're going to have insurance incestors in and everyone's going to be trying passing the buck to make sure that whoever has to pay pays the, the least amount and they'll hope somebody else will pick up the tab instead. And Eddie in Oven says, at the moment, Trish, there's heavy traffic heading west on the N40 going into Douglas. What is it? Rubbernecking at the shopping centre. And that's from Eddie in uh, Ovens. Keep moving on, please. Nothing to see here. Eight 1850-333-103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. Now, we had a very busy programme last Friday dealing with the concerns of parents, especially in the Ballinine and Eskeen area, where at least 18 young people have no seat on this year's school bus. Fianna Gael Senator Tim Lambert has been working with several families in the same boat and he joins me with uh, what is a little bit of good news for some parents. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Patricia. You've managed to secure additional school... um, Transport for the for Kinsale Community College. Tell me more. Yeah, so at the moment now we've um, got news last week that um, there was a 36 seater bus, going, a new 36 seater bus going to be provided for the students down this part of the world. Now there's been a bit of movement to and fro regarding that bus here, and locally didn't begin probably a 30 seater. So I'm on to begin this morning to make sure they're following their commitment of picking up the 36 seater that they told us they're going to get. So we're still working just to make sure we get the 36-seater. If we get the 36-seater, we will accommodate the majority of families. So we might m- might be short one or two. The figures are slightly unsure, but we'll have, I'd say, 99% of them. Um, are so they all concessionary tickets? They're all concessionary tickets. Okay, all right. So every one of them are concessionary tickets. Um, the majority of them would be um, the second-year school principal. So... What's, what Bossair have done now, which is a part, what the department have done, is they've changed criteria slightly. So traditionally, you only got a bus ticket if it was the first, um, if it was the nearest school to you. Now they've changed the second nearest school, which kind of opened up the actual um, the, the remit. So we actually got more people onto buses. And this situation, we actually got a, a complete new bus. I think that's the problem on the balance. Because it goes back to the point that I kept making on Friday and indeed all last week. It's up to parents, Tim, to decide what school they want to send their son or daughter to. Surely that's not the decision of a bus inspector. No, I think you're right. I think the actual way we actually pick the bus, school bus routes is wrong. I think the biggest issue here is that if you're a feeder school for an actual secondary school, you should be entitled to the actual uh, school transport. Which uh, is the case in Ballinina and Eskeen? It is and it is and it isn't. I think when you look at the figures, and I was only talking to the department about the figures on bus on Ballinina while ago again, and I'm still very hopeful that I'll sort out that issue. But Ballinina and Eskeen were 
where it's geographically based is in the middle of Dunmanway, Clannacilty and Bandon. So depending on where you are on Balneen, you could be the first near school or could be your third near school if you're a mile up the road. And even if you're further up on the Coppeen side, McCroom plays into it. So geographically, Balneen and Skeen is right in the middle. And because of that, where it's the it's the second and third near school to an awful lot of people going to Bandon. Um, so well, at the end of the day, that's where the parents, where the young people want to go, and it's where the parents want to send their children. And to be told, as one parent was told, whose daughter is doing leaving cert, to ask a leaving cert student to change school so that she can get on a bus for her leaving cert year is absolutely bizarre. And I think if you look at it, like for me, it's the first years and it's the sixth years. They're the two that are really in that kind of dynamic of pressure, pressure, yeah, pre- yeah. pressure. And I think it's trying to get the solution here. Um, I think look on the Kinsale side I'd be hoping that we'll have a bus in place by next Monday um, I'm still working on another part of Kinsale where there's 10 people none of them are actually concessionary at the moment so we just have to kind of work on that no, None of them are concessionary? Yeah what's happening there is and there's 10 people on the western side of Kinsale heading towards Ballyheed of Alhasic area and it'll be their third or fourth near school and that's kind of throwing them out big time. Okay. So okay. under pressure trying... All right, it. and there is extra funding has been put in, yeah. in, into the system. So, yeah, so, so we, 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 we can hopefully expect extra buses to be put on. Yeah, so we have an extra million euro. Uh, we have 108 routes that we need to look at. The first 20 have been looked at. Uh, Bandon's in the second lot. So the Bandon area, um, in the skiing area, is in the second tranche of areas that have been looked at at the moment. Talking to the department guys well ago, they're still actually talking to us there about how they can actually solve the actual abandon issue. And it's about basically trying to get enough people that are second, that, in other words, a second near school. We can get a cohort to them that are second near school. We put a bus big enough to cover everyone. But we're just trying to still work out the figures regarding that. Um, so it's like we got, we, we, the one in Walford worked out well over by um, Ballet Duff Upper. That worked out well. That done and dusted. There's about 100 deals around the country. Um, some are sorted. Yeah, this isn't around. just a corkish. No, no, no. And the demographics, the school population, the country's population was going up. So it's about, you know, trying to cater for that now with a new system. And I think for us, the system is a 1980 system and it's dealing with a 2000 plus population, which doesn't, doesn't work out at all, you know. And I know you say the demographics are going up and, the, you know, the children, there's more children of you know, particular age going, wanting to go to a particular school. But all that information is there on the census. That's why we do census, so that we have the numbers in place for planning. Because, you know, I mean, this issue with the school bus comes up every year. Now, it's the worst I've ever seen it. I've never got so much yeah, uh, cause. Uh, but, but the information is there on the census. You know, somebody can take a look and decide how many children are in sixth class, how many, you know, are going to need bus places. And it's the policy issue. Uh, budget was one thing, right? So we got a change in the policy which allowed us to look at a second year school, which was going to be very helpful. Then we got the budget for us. The second year school doesn't solve every case. And that's been the issue that we've had in the last 10 days here. Um, because there's certain people, unfortunately, it's probably their third, fourth year school. And that's been the biggest issue. So when we look at this policy next year, from what I'm looking at here, is that we need to go back to the feeder school principle. That if you're a feeder school to a secondary school, you need to be entitled to school transport. And that's going to take a different budget and a different policy change. But we've made a little bit of an improvement. We've got, we're going to probably get an extra, I would say in the Cork area, an extra 50 or 60 seats. Um, but like 
over 100. I think if we're to go full full board, we just need to change the policy. Okay. All right. Keep us informed, particularly if you get any good news on those buses, uh, Tim. And well done. I know you're working flat out on this and uh, there's a lot of parents and families appreciate it. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Senator Tim Lombard and certainly for the people in Kinsale for they who have sons and daughters going to Kinsale Community School. Uh, That's certainly some uh, fantastic news for them. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A number of people commenting on the fire in Douglas and the fact that there was no sprinklers. And when I asked Fiona, because somebody thought that there had been sprinklers and she said, no, there wasn't sprinklers. And she said one of the reasons they have sprinklers in the actual shopping centre itself, but they don't have it in the car park. And it's something to do with sprinklers on water with on a car and it you know, they're combustible and, you know, it could actually make a situation uh, worse. Uh, Heidi said, Patricia, uh, Fiona said that the the car park isn't suitable for sprinklers. Well, Patricia, cars are built to deal with all kinds of weather, even rain. So surely sprinklers would have helped the situation. And then there was a number of texters in on the same issue uh, saying using a fire extinguisher to quench a single car fire can be extremely hazardous. This is people saying, why didn't they use fire extinguishers uh, due to a risk of spontaneous combustion using a sprinkler system might add a hazard if petrol is flowing but then our Dennis is a man in the know and he says Patricia you can tell your commentator Fiona that they're all wrong about the sprinkler system with water and fuel. Engineers Ireland published a report on this specific issue and they found the incidence of fatalities and injuries is zero and that the property loss is around 95% lower than that of an uncontrolled fire with sprinklers. The report is available online, says Dennis. Okay, thank you very much for that. When we're looking at car park spaces... And the fact that it's going to be very hard for that car park to operate if it doesn't have a fully functioning car park. Eddie says there's a big unused car park at the back of St. Patrick's Mall and it's all locked up. Could that be used for extra car park spaces? And then someone else says, Patricia, people saw the fire starting. And what did they do? They took out their phones and they started videoing. Why didn't a bunch of them grab fire extinguishers and get that fire under control? 1850 on the bus situation and what we were talking about with some students not getting any seat on the bus. Uh, Texter says, my son is in transition year and got a ticket, but my daughter, who's in sixth year, leaving her class, didn't get a bus ticket this year. By the way, says this texter, there are seats on the bus, but still no tickets. The bus from the Court McSherry side passes our bus stop and it's half empty. What a shame for an organisation. Um, bus Aaron, I that just the mind boggles there. If you're saying that there are seats available, because I'm assuming it's concessionary tickets you're talking about. Do I take it you've also appealed? I would be getting on to Tim Lombard. Tim Lombard really is doing a lot of work and he seems to be really on top of this and seems to know all the different routes and where there's extra seats and where there there might be a chance of an extra seat. But that's an issue that I addressed and spoke about on Friday and I think is rather unfair. If you have a family where you have two or three children looking for a bus and they've got to go into this, their concession tickets and they have to go into this lottery system and I know they 
fairness has to come into it. They have to find some way of dividing up the seats that are, that are left. But I think a family unit should go into that draw as one. You know what I mean? That if their name comes out that everyone on in that family... Two, three would be the very most that you would have in one family I'm assuming we don't have huge families large families like we used to have in previous generations but I just think it's really unfair on a family who then are in the situation one is getting on the bus and they've got to arrange to try to get the other child to school it doesn't make any sense to me at all now I know they'll probably bus here and probably tell me there's a reason for that and in the interest of fairness every individual name has to go into that but I just think it seems particularly harsh on families who would have one child on the bus and then one child not on the bus. Can I, I'll just stay with bus Aaron for a moment because we did have other issues that came up about going on the bus, uh, be it the bus was untidy, our seats ripped, or the cost of taking the bus, or then we had the issue of the lady from Charleville with her daughter who had somebody have it came over and were harassing them and then actually took her cigarette and threw it back at her. Anyway, we got put all of those issues to bus Aaron and they've come back to us. Firstly, on the condition of the buses from Cork City to West Cork, dirty buses, broken seats, they say. All buses are cleaned on a daily basis and seats are repaired slash replaced as necessary. However, if your caller would like to contact bus Aaron customer care with specific dates and times, we'll be happy to follow up on those issues. We then asked about the cost of travelling and the listener who travelled from Cork from Clonakilty to Cork City and it cost 24 euro, euro but then travelled on to London and uh, got to London from Cork including the ferry for 25 euro they say. West Cork services are PSO services operated by Bus Aaron on behalf of the National Transport Authority and the NTA set the fares for these services. Fares on PSO services have actually been reduced and leap cards are also excellent, give excellent reductions to customers 30% for example on single cash fares. Regular customers also have the benefit of multi-trip tickets or products on your Leap card. Tax Saver is also available to customers through participating in employers. So if you're already complaining about the cost of bus fares from West Cork into the city, please be note please have it noted that those fares are already at a reduced rate. Not much comfort to people who are paying the €24 uh, return. And then our final query was about the listener who contacted us, Mary, wasn't it, from Charleville and her daughter who were waiting, she was waiting to get the bus to Charleville. Her daughter went with her to the train station in Parnell Place, sat with her. They were sitting outside because Mary was having a cigarette before the bus journey. They were approached by a woman who was shouting at them. She then proceeded to pull the cigarette out of Mary his mouth and threw it back at her and uh, she then followed the caller around the station for a number of minutes telling her to get out of there and it was, it was quite intimidating it was quite, it was quite intimidating and it happened at half past eight back at the start of August and they were waiting on the 10 to 9 bus They've their answer to that was we sincerely regret any inconvenience caused to customers and if the customer can contact bus air and customer care directly we'll follow up on this matter we have supervisors and other staff at the bus station in Cork who will always be happy to assist any customers we also have a security guard patrolling the bus station who will also deal with uh, such uh, issues now we'll pass that on to Mary even though when I spoke to Mary I did say did you contact bus air and she said she'd emailed if I'm not mistaken, three times and it's heard nothing back. Anyway, we'll get back on to her with those, with what they've said to us and uh, see if, if it's of any help to her. 1850 Keep questions coming in for Annalise, please, because Annalise will join us 
after half past 12 today. Also coming in by text, this is from Lar McCarthy of the Little Red Fish Company in Bandon to say, hi Patricia, the Little Red Fish Company were in solidarity with the beef farmers who were protesting last Friday by sending them up some of our hot food, including fish and chips and chowders. These were really appreciated by the protesters and we were delighted to do this. We would now like to encourage more local businesses in Bandon to support these beef farmers by any means possible as they're fighting for their livelihoods and any person's who has to go to this length deserves huge credit. Some people have different attitudes about farmers, etc. But when Bandon Town was flooding, the first people to help were the local farmers. And also the thing about farmers is when they make a few pound, they spend their few bob creating local employment. And on those two things alone, they deserve our help, support and encouragement. And that's from Lara McCarthy of the Little Red Fish Company in Bandon. And you're right, when people give out about uh, farmers, whenever there's any kind of an emergency like that, it's always the farmers are first, first out. I think back to the time of the snow and the farmers in West Cork when we couldn't, the council physically weren't able to grit all of the roads, particularly the back roads. It was the farmers who went out with their spreaders and their tractors and trailers and it was the farmers who went out with tractors and trailers uh, who helped people and digging people out and they are fantastic. Um, so Lar makes the point if they need they need support and they need that support uh, now. Thank you for that. Lar to 0862103103 and Michael says Hi Patricia. A massive congratulations to Paul O'Donovan who is now a four time world champion World Rowing Champion Gold in the Singles in 2016 and in 2017 Gold in the Doubles in 2018 and now after the weekend in 2019 What an an outstanding athlete Also our double world champion rower Sunita Pushbore with what outstanding sports people thanking you it was an outstanding performance uh, it was uh, well done to all of the uh, rowers we have a tendency particularly when it's around all Ireland championships we get caught up in the all Ireland and we forget about other sports but yeah we are excelling in rowing and when we think of rowing we think of Skibbereen a rowing uh, club and actually when I talk of Skibbereen just a reminder to you that this Friday we'll be taking the programme out it was almost now an annual event where we go, we'll be in Fields Supermarket in Skibbereen for the A Taste of West Cork Food Festival. It kicks off on Friday and then it runs over the next 10 days and we'll be there. Just kind of giving you a flavour of what the festival is all about, but also sort of because the festival is very much about what's good and great about West Cork as well even though it is a food festival it's a lot more than a food festival so we're looking forward to it and looking forward to creating new links with Australia there's a big Australian link to the festival this year and I know for example the the Australian ambassador to Ireland is going to be spending some time in Skibbereen and he's going to take time out to join us at our outside broadcast in, in fields in uh, Skibbereen and the happy pair Dave and Stephen, the the chefs are just, they're such a joy and they're always so full of, of life and they very much promote their vegan lifestyle. But I swear to God, they look good on the vegan lifestyle. I'll give them that. They'll be popping into the studio talking to us again. We spoke with them last year as well. And then there's another set of twins chefs. They're coming from Australia, Luke and Sam Burke. And they are part of indigenous Australian people of Aboriginal descent who are part of an academy who are 
have become world class chefs in their own right in their own country and they're being brought over I think there's a team of four of them coming over so we're hoping to speak with, with Luke and Sam as well and I think they're bringing Bush Tucker tr- <laughs> drop the trial bit Bush Tucker food with them now we think of Bush Tucker and we straight away think of the Bush Tucker trial and I'm a celebrity get me out of here I've seen the Bush Tucker they're bringing and it doesn't have a trial aspect to it at all it looks like wonderful uh, food so that's happening on Friday between 10 and 1 if you're around Skibbereen and you're around Fields pop in we always love to say hi and meet up with our, our listeners so looking forward to that on Friday 1850 lines open C103 Jobs General plumbing assistants are wanted, qualified or with an ability to learn would be considered. Full and part-time sales roles available for immediate start with Vodafone in Bandon and in Clonakilty. While a qualified electrician with experience in domestic first and second fixing wanted. And a load all driver wanted for the North Cork area. Experience please with civil works and own transport required. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. And I'm just being told that the All-Ireland winning Cork, um, but the minor football team are in Botfront this morning. They're walking around Botfront. We got that in in the last half an hour. I don't know if they're still there uh, or not. So if you want to go out and say hi uh, to the guys and uh, congratulate them. Margaret McCroom was on, wants to say well done to the Cork Miners and well done to the great bunch of lads, Cork Miners who performed so well yesterday and that comes in from everyone in uh, Kilworth. 1850-333-103. Now last week Minister Catherine Sapone launched the Draft Childminding Action Plan which according to Childminding Ireland promises much but will it deliver? Bernadette Orbinski burke is CE of Childminding Ireland who supports the country's childminders and uh, Bernadette joins me. Good morning to you Bernadette. Hi there Patricia. Hi, you're welcome. Now the Minister is promising a bespoke regulation system for childminders. Is there much wrong with the current system or what's wrong with the current system? Yeah. Um, Well Patricia, I suppose the numbers um, speak for themselves. They've estimated 19,000 childminders in the country and only 81 of which are registered with TUSLA. So in a sense, that gives you an indication of how badly adapted for childminding the system is. And there are two main reasons there. One is, unless you're minding four or more preschoolers or seven children of mixed age, you're actually not eligible to register with TUSLA. There is no system for you. And the second reason is if you are minding four or more preschoolers, um, a lot of people get put off and, and decide not to do that because... Um, the current system, the way the current regulations are, um, it's really designed more for mini crashes, and obviously people don't want their homes to become mini crashes, and parents want the children at a home from home setting. So the current system is absolutely failing childminders. And would there be many childminders who are not registered with TUSLA who have four or more children that, fall, that would fall into what TUSLA are currently looking for? Yeah. Well, I suppose the truth is we don't know because okay. there isn't a system. There's very little data, but you'd be outside the law in that case. And I think most people would want to be operating their businesses in a professional way. What, in your opinion, what are the benefits of using a child mind or over dropping your child to the local crash? Um, well, there are, there are huge numbers of benefits, but just to give your um, 
listeners a, a taste of them. Um, a child's individuality can really flourish because you've got a small group size. And we know that children thrive. That's one of the key indicators for, for children is the smaller the group size, the better they tend to do. You can mind brothers and sisters or sisters and brothers together, whatever. Um, they're not separated out by age group into different rooms. They can be minded together out and about in their local communities they get really much more embedded they know the people locally and parents often say to us that you know it's when they go walking down the town and everybody knows their child (laughs) you know it's it's quite um, yeah because if mammy and daddy are working all day they mightn't be as connected with the local people whereas they go out with a with a little lad or the little one and they're saying hello to johnny and nancy down the road yeah exactly and they'll know everybody you can be sure um and you get very, very important is you get a flexibility that um, obviously a lot of creches might not be able to provide. So if you're working um, shift work or you have to um, leave particularly early in the morning if you've quite a long commute or, or if you have to arrive home late for any reason, you can negotiate with your child mind a pattern that suits the two of you. Um, and children with additional needs um, you know, it's a very appropriate setting for children who need that additional attention and uh, the smaller groups and so on. Um, so hopefully that gives you a flavour. And, of and I'm assuming, Bernadette, as well, cost. There's a big difference in what yeah. a parent will pay to a childminder versus a crash. Yes, typically um, childminders would be more competitive. And each childminder is self-employed, so it's a matter for themselves what they charge and obviously around the country there would be different some variations but um, many childminders give a discount for siblings for example so you know you can get some very competitive uh, prices but the difficulty will come we we know obviously that the national child care scheme is the scheme that provides uh, subsidies to parents for their child care costs so as the subsidies go up that's going to be a real disadvantage for childminders because um, you can only receive that if you're with a registered Tusla registered childcare provi- uh, provider so that's a concern for the future not not at the, this immediate point but certainly for the future that's something for but the, but the fact that parents will be able to access state subsidies under the National uh, Child Care uh, Scheme, would that not encourage childminders to register and get involved? Yes, I mean, I'm sure it, it will encourage for many, but I think what we need to really get across is that the new system needs to be appropriate for childminders. It can't be an adaption of a system that's been designed for centre-based care. Childminding is completely different. And unless the system is right for childminders, it's not going to encourage childminders into it. I mean, the plan does promise that that will be the case, and it promises access to funding and training and so on, which is all very positive for childminders. But we need to ensure that childminders and childminding voices, parents using childminding services and so on, that those voices are are really heard in this consultation process so that it's driven and steered by childminders and those proximate to childminding. And that's why it is now vital that parents and childminders interact with this process. Absolutely. 
It really is. And I think it's really important to say that there are lots of childminders out there providing fantastic quality services. If you're not registered with TUSLA, it doesn't mean that your services somehow have a lesser standard. I mean, our members, for example, they all have guard vetting. They all have insurance for childminding. Um, pediatric first aid. They've done um, an online child safeguarding course. They sign up to a code of ethics. None of this is a requirement for them. Apart from our membership, there's no statutory requirement. They're all choosing to do it. So there's an awful lot of people out there um, providing really good quality services. And they need the recognition for that. Do you believe childminders are badly paid in this country? Um, I would love to see them being paid more. I know that for a lot of parents, childcare costs are hugely difficult to find the money. Um, but I do feel childminders, the, the um, love and care and support and responsibility they take for children, you know, it's a hugely important job. About 88,000 children, they think, are minded by childminders. And they really do That's a staggering that figure. Yeah. Huge. One in 12 children, I believe, is the figure the department we're using. And people yeah. will remember, uh, you, you know, you talk to people and I was I was chatting at the weekend about the, the child minding and, and what Catherine Sapone was trying to in, introduce. Uh, and I couldn't get over the number of people, I, I the group I was with, who had been looked after when their parents were, you know, at yes. work when they when they were they were children, and they all had lovely, lovely stories oh, and lovely memories of the childminder. Used to collect them from school or going back to the childminders. One childminder was particularly good at making apple pie and loved going back <laughs> to the house. There was always a smell of apple pie when when they walked into the kitchen. Will always remind you this particular childminder. But they all had lovely stories and memories. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's wonderful. I mean, it's a, a really traditional form of childcare. I mean, when I think of the small town I live in, you know, there's a couple of people there in the town who've probably raised yeah. half the town, you know, I mean, it's just wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. It becomes like extended family, you know, it really does the bonds that you have the same childminder really from babyhood through national school and into secondary school. And we, we hear, you know, we hear from our members, they're always going off to weddings and one woman was going out to Brazil to the wedding of a man that she had minded as a child. Oh. I mean, those bonds are there for life yeah. often, you know. Somebody was it's asking lovely. about au pairs and, and living nannies, but I was reading up on this on the weekend that they're not going to be included. No, they're not included. And now they are in the sense that there's an acknowledgement that there should be training supports available for nannies and au pairs. But the logic being used um, is, I believe, that um, childminders are self-employed. The children go to the childminders' home and they run their own business and they mind children from different families. Whereas a nanny or an au pair really employed by the parents in their home so it's a very different um, status. Um, and I think ultimately it would be great if um, charm, if nannies and au pairs could receive the same sort of um, benefits that childminders will get if this comes off. Um, but I think that's a little bit further down the line. Yeah, it may be something we'll talk about that will will come yeah. up uh, in the future. And of course, there was so much media attention last week uh, about the fact that grannies are not are not included. Yet we do know that many grandparents yeah. do act as childminders. Yes, huge support to the families. 
yeah, really big support. Um, I think the the terminology is kinship care. So you could be an auntie or, or you know a granny or uncle, whatever. Um, and at the moment, there isn't. Again, they're not included in the sort of um, target group for this particular action plan. But if, for example, a grandparent was minding, you know, a grandchild and decided to maybe mind a neighbor's grandchild as well, then she would become a childminder and would be subject to the same regulation as any other childminder. But if it was just for family, then the current plan is no. But obviously it is a public consultation process. Would you you like to see them included? Would you like like to see the grannies or the Um, aunts or what? I mean, in, in an ideal world, it would be wonderful if everybody could get subsidies for childcare and, and, and training and, you know, if they wanted it, you know, grandparents. But I suppose that with the financial realities we're living with, and um, I'm sure it'll have to be something that's stepped over time and, and reviewed and, and, and kept on the burner. But um, certainly at the moment, I don't think it's particularly feasible. I think, you know, the childminders are running, um, I mean, they don't run them like a business, but essentially it is a business. You know, they are um, being paid to provide a service and that's with children and obviously with child safeguarding um, that has to be regulated in, in, in an appropriate um, level. Okay, so so where are we at with this draft childminding action plan and explain the public consultation to us and how people can interact? Yeah, of course. Um, Well, it's um, out in draft now. You can see a copy um, on childminding.ie or on the Department of Children and Youth Affairs website page as well. Um, There's going to be a process, so there are going to be focus groups there's going to be this survey, which is now open. It's open, I think, till the 10th of October, and that's on our website as well, childminding.ie. Um, and what I would say, Patricia, is whether you're a member of Childminding Ireland or not, if you need any information or want to talk, if you have any concerns, you can phone us on 01 8466, or we have an email support line, support at childminding.ie. And we're also going to be um, running some um, information um, evenings around four four different locations in the country. And once we've got those finalised, hopefully today, we can come back to you, Patricia, and maybe ask you to... Please do, because I'm I'm assuming you'll come here just in Cork. Uh, we're in Mallow, I think. Oh, Mallow, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All yeah. right. Listen, yeah. Bernadette, we leave it there. We'll talk again. Thank Thanks, you for that. Patricia, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for joining us. That is uh, Bernadette Orbinski-Burke, who is CEO of Childminding Ireland on those draft childbinding action plan that was introduced last week by Catherine Sabone. There's been much, much talk uh, about this, trying to regulate uh, childminders. We are getting a step closer. Now, I've been asked to congratulate Kilshanik All-Ireland score instrumental music group I'm told they played in Croke Park yesterday they got a great reception they played half time in the minor game and Kilshanik of course are the All-Ireland winners in score themselves it was the senior score group who performed yesterday so take a bow everybody involved there Kilshanik All-Ireland score the instrumental music group in Croke Park yesterday This is the Cork Today replay on C103 
Less than two weeks to go until the inaugural Sam Maguire 7 tournament. Excitement is starting to build, especially at the birthplace of Sam Maguire in Dunmanway. To discuss the event, I'm joined by one of the organisers, and that is uh, Tim Buckley. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning. Uh, and from you, a colourful uh, Indeed, I saw actually I saw some photographs up on uh, Facebook. People are really getting into the spirit uh, of of this uh, Sam Maguire Sevens. It's been described as a unique tournament. For those who haven't heard about it, I suppose, Tim, describe what the day will entail. Well, it's a, it's a day designed to cater for all likes and needs, um, family orientated, and um, basically. We're covering the full aspect of cultural, uh, musical and sporting activities for all of the family, young and old, on the day. And in St. Martina, um, our position the, the day is actually next Saturday. It, it is, actually. I'm just, I, as I, as I, I realised as I was reading the script, I wrote that script last week and that's what threw me out. It is, because I said it earlier, it's on, it's on this Saturday. Um, how many entries have you received? We have over 20 teams at the moment. We decided to keep it local to the pitches here at St. Maguire Park in Domenway. And um, believe me, if we can run this one uh, successfully this year, then it's our, our plan to, to spread out amongst the pitches locally in, in the years coming. And it's not solely about football? No, not at all. There's a huge um, entertainment uh, diary made available by the Chamber of Commerce here, uh, the very hard-working group, uh, basically kids' entertainment. There's all sorts of novelty events. A lot of them I'm completely unfamiliar with, but <laughs> they, they sound intriguing. But there is definitely... Um, a dunking for a lot of local personalities and okay. store, I believe so alright I'm looking down at the list here that Deirdre Kelly has sent in to me and uh, there's the children's I'm thinking now we'll have to we'll have to because a lot of the things there's, there's the old style stocks anyway Okay. Um, I imagine that some unlucky personality will be chained up there for a few minutes and pelted with wet sponges um, we have there's music in the evening, of course, with Dior Cole live music. Right. And uh, then the Coltis will be performing just around the times that the uh, the match will be finishing up. There's, for the kids' entertainment, like there's Hook a Duck, Giant Jinga, I don't even know what that means, but Eat the Donut, Bloomburst. <laughs> so I imagine loads of fun eat, and products. Eat, eat, the, eat the Donut? Eat the Donut, <laughs> yeah. I oh, I bet you that one is you've got to do without licking your lips. It's probably that <laughs> oh one, which, which is ab- almost impossible. There is a long puck competition as well, isn't there, on the day? There is. There yeah. is uh, like that would be um, included in the day's entertainment. And, you know, that, that has grasped the imagination of um, both local hurlers and uh, inter-county hurlers far and wide. So, depending on schedules, as you can imagine, the matches are coming fast and furious. Mm. And lads are trying to free up their schedules so they can be in the menu on the day. So, we're hoping to have a couple of high-profile guys that can fancy themselves. But the one thing that's most intriguing is, you know, when you hear these guys that um, played hurling back in the 70s and they'd say, Jesus, the slippers were that light when we were playing, we'd drive them that far as well. But Saturday now is our opportunity to put themselves <laughs> against this. Get off the ditch now and you, you've, got, you, you've, got, you've got your chance. The time for T- talking is over. Tell me, just go back a step. How did this all, this day, the Sam McGuire said, the tournament part, how did that all came about? Who's... Whose initial idea was it? It, it was the brain originally of uh, Finbar Collins, our chairman, and Mairead Ma, who, who were in, on the committee with us. Um, again, I suppose, look, over the last decade or so, everybody in the Manway would always be more the fact that we've never celebrated Sam Maguire or, or yeah. profiled his name. And it was only fitting that it would be a, a GA tournament because the Manway is embedded in GA. Like, we have a very strong uh, GA connection here in the Manway, and um, it was just a natural fit. And uh, it really has progressed because of that, you know. 
Yeah, it's, it's, look, look, it's, at the, look at the, the figures there. Like, I mean, there was there's 30, actually 34 county teams, if you count New York and London, every year they set out to win the Sam Maguire yesterday. I think the figures were in this morning. There was over one and a half million people tuned in to watch the All-Ireland final. Like, and that's, Sam Maguire was on their, those people's minds for an hour and a half yesterday. Um, you know, and like Sam Maguire the man then sometimes gets forgotten. Like, but well, well, I know I was in in Dublin a, a few years ago and gave a history lesson to somebody who was quite steeped in GAA in Dublin, um, who had no idea who Sam Maguire was, absolutely no idea other than it was a trophy. And I was explaining to him uh, who he was. So y- you are right; we need to keep his name out there. You know, and 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 that's what this day will do. It promotes Sam Maguire, and that's what's important. Absolutely. And, you know, like I suppose the one thing that we love here in Ireland is co- conversation and a little bit of controversy as well. And, like, if you go back into the early 20s, then, you know, statistics and figures aren't exactly 100% accurate. And that in itself then will create a good, solid conversation about, you know, when the when the Cup was first presented. Actually, I have a great story about the um, Bill Gannon uh, from the Round Horrors Club in Kildare. Yeah. I was speaking with his granddaughter, um, Bernadette, the other day, and she was telling me that he he lifted the first time Maguire in 1928. Wow. Now, Kildare also won the All Ireland in 1927, and um, Bill Gannon and passed away. But then, when they were cleaning out the house, the the topic of the two the two medals came up. You know, there was always one, so they were intrigued. They were going, maybe he lost it or you know got misplaced or over the years. But when they contacted um, the, the Crow Park, um, it emerged that at the time of winning the All Ireland, the players were offered a medal. Yeah. Or a suit of clothes. I bless their hearts. And Bill Gannon's uh, thinking was, I'll try to have the middle since 1927. So in 1928, uh, according to Bernadette, he opted for the suit. A sensible man at the time, he probably could do with the suit of clothes. So, you know, I looked at the cup, was, the cup was launched. Uh, it cost 300 sterling uh, pounds to to make the cup. And huge, huge amount of money at the huge, time. Yeah, about 25,000 yeah. euros at the moment would have cost to, 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 to manufacture the cup, you know. Huh. So, and of course, when your day is on on Saturday, we still won't know where it's going for the next year. No, that led to the intrigue. Like at one stage, just that we thought we might be actually screening the television match live, but <laughs> um, apparently now it's on the Saturday. It's on the Saturday day. afterwards, yeah. So, yeah. But still, we'll have plenty of domicile carry people here in the Menway um, looking for some support for their for their troops. And don't you know there'll be an odd dub around as well? There's a few of them around. Is there? There's is one there? or two of them around, don't worry, when they were short. <laughs> um, and again, and like, just to say, Martin, like, this, this day would never ever happen like without our sponsors. Like, uh, you know, you have Andrew and Martina Healy in the local Super Value. If you fly, side, side, fly sideways, Andrew and Martina are are stuck in it, you know. They're and great. They're, they're great. I mean, you know, them. I was just, I was, my next point was going to be about the fact that you had no problems getting, getting sponsors and that's the reason why, you know, shopping local and supporting local businesses because, you know, people forget the amount that they give by way of donations and sponsorship. You know, events like this would not take place only for that local sponsorship. Don't, and I keep calling you Martin, but I absolutely know you're Patricia, but yeah. I, forgive me for the... <laughs> Don't worry, you're fine. You can you're call fine. me Thomas, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you'd like, like Adrian Donovan know Emerald Engineering, the minute he mentioned about the long puck, Adrian would never usually be involved in GA, but straight away he was in. Um, we have a company from the, uh, from California, Wells of Life. Now tell me, th- I'm intrigued by this. This is the international flavour. Who who are Wells of Life and how have they come on board? W- Wells of Life... Um, well, the life was organised about six years ago by a guy called Nick Jordan from uh, Buffers Alley in Wexford. And uh, he's domiciled at the moment in Southern California in a place called San Juan Capistrano. Um, he sold, basically, he set up the company uh, 
to drill wells in Central Africa, namely Uganda, and they've drilled over a thousand wells in that part of the world in the last six or seven years. Um, Nick would have strong West Cork connections to myself, I suppose, really. And uh, the minute they were approached, they absolutely loved the idea of Sam McGuire, um, their president, Pete Callan, who's nearly 80 years of age at this stage, but has decided never to retire, um, is a ball of energy. And he's deeply uh, interested in the historical side of West Cork. And once he heard Mitchell Sam McGuire, he loved the idea. So they came in, they come on board as a major sponsor. Terrific. Terrific. That, and that it does loads. Great. I mean, from the very small, you know, from the very small donation, but the town like has come completely, one hundred percent behind this. Like, and again, we couldn't be more gracious and thankful to our sponsors because otherwise, we just wouldn't have a budget. And where we started this conversation by when you when you said it's a blaze of colour, I saw some of the posts up on our Facebook. Businesses and the town are really getting behind it with bunting and flags and and decorating the the town. Well, what we want to do is when a team arrives into the Menway on Saturday. Yeah. We want to welcome them, first of all, with the special colour that they'll see that'll be evident as they drive past Sam McGuire's statue in the square. And the, the ball starts for them then because they're going to go, hold on a second, there's something big happening here. And we hope then that we provide a great experience for the day, that everyone has, has a safe experience, that it's good fun, and everyone goes home happy and wants to come back again next year. Well done, well done, well done. And, and this is the first, I think this is going to be the first of many. And of course, it's going to bring a great economic boost to the town. Absolutely, and like the, the businesses with the foresight, I mean, they are very much aware of, the, of you know, the difference that two or three hundred people, maybe four hundred people coming into the town would make on an ordinary Saturday in September, whereas um, normally you'd be relying on just the local trade, but this is a huge boost for the economy. Again, like there's, there's a couple of people that would be afraid not to mention that they really have pioneered the name Sam Guerre, like since he's arrived in the memory, Reverend Cliff Jeffers. We've I've spoken bed. with him on a number of occasions about Sam McGuire on the programme. And there's nothing more than more enjoyable than to walk down through the town on a Sunday morning and the bell is going. Yeah. And um then you would like Tommy Collins, like in the Dememma Chamber of Commerce, you know, I could go on. Like you you the two GA clubs here, the Donnies and the Rendelogs, who will put their full traffic plan into place on Saturday and there'll be a huge back up to us because while we're inside the field catering for over forty matches, we know that the traffic will be coordinated around the pitch here safely and, and easily, you know. Um, again, the Spillane's family. Have you been up to the homestead in Melbrecha? I haven't yet, but it's it's on my it's definitely on my bucket list to do it. I will get there. You should absolutely try it. It's meant to be amazing, yeah. We were up there Tuesday night at the press launch now, like, and the setting above there is so calm. But like, what I'd like to compliment is the Spillane family as, as well, because nothing is ever too much trouble looking for a key to go up there. You know, it's just so easily done yeah. and uh, it's such a beautiful place up there. Okay. Well, listen, all roads will lead to Dunmanway on... Um, on Saturday, uh, Saturday uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a great day. Uh, fingers crossed for a fine day. Get the Child of Prague statues out on Friday night. The messes are being said, <laughs> and uh, all the donations have been made. So <laughs> Listen, a real pleasure to talk to you, uh, Tim. Enjoy the day as well, because that's what it's about. Thank you, and Patricia to see one or three as well. And the sort of our media partners, thank you very much indeed for your help. Proud to be media partners. Thanks, Tim. Bye bye. Mind yourself. Bye bye. That is uh, Tim Buckley, one of the organisers of what promises to be a great event next Saturday. The Sam Maguire's sevens in at uh, Dunmanway 1850 uh, Mary has been on looking for a bit of help she lost her phone and her purse in Tralee yesterday it's an iPhone 6 with a driving licence in the wallet of the iPhone 6 and it's a grey purse with Tipperary Crystal on it I know it's a long shot but we do have some uh, listeners in Kerry or maybe somebody visiting was down in Tralee if anybody hears of or knows of a phone 
an iPhone 6 and a purse found in Trinity yesterday. Could you contact us, please? It would be great to get it back to our Mary. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Also interested to hear from anyone who has ever been to Knock or perhaps regularly goes to Knock because at the weekend for the first time, and I was surprised to hear that this was for the first time, the Catholic Church has recognised that a pilgrim was cured at the Marian Shrine in Knock. Now it's taken 30 years for the Catholic Church to recognise that this woman was cured. And at the weekend, the Bishop of Arda and Clomac Noise, Francis Duffy, said the healing of Marian Cal defies medical explanation. Now, Marian Cal, Marian, sorry, Marian Carroll is from Athlone. And when I started finding out about Marian at the weekend, I am convinced that I interviewed this woman many years ago because it turns out she did write a book about her cure because as I was reading up about her, it, I started realising I know this story. I've, I've read this book. I've spoken to this uh, woman. I, I don't think she would have realised that it was going to take 30 years for the Catholic Church to recognise what happened to her. Anyway, it was 30 years ago. She was in her late 30s at the time and she was wheelchair bound. She was incontinent. She was blind in one eye and partially sighted in the other eye. And she decided to go on a pilgrimage to Knock. It was in September of 1989. Now she went on subsequently to write a book called simply I Was Cured at Knock and in the book she said at the time when she went when she took that journey to go to Knock her muscles were wasted her throat and speech were severely affected and she decided that she would attend the anointing of the sick in the Basilica in Knock now it was against medical advice she'd asked her doctors who said you're absolutely mad you're in Athlone it's a long journey to Knock particularly in the condition you're in but she decided you know nothing to lose here at this stage because she was desperately trying to get a diagnosis and she still didn't have a diagnosis nobody could quite explain they knew there was something very wrong with this woman but they couldn't quite pinpoint exactly what it was so I suppose she felt at the time I've nothing to lose here I'm going to uh, knock anyway off she goes to knock she goes into this anointing of the sick in the basilica and she said after receiving a blessing she stepped pain free from the stretcher now speaking in knock yesterday Bishop Duffy said I recognise that Marion was healed from her long-standing illness while on pilgrimage in this sacred place. Marion's healing is life-changing. Many have attested to the dramatic change that came about in Marion here and on her return to Athlone in 1989. It was also, he said, a healing for which there is no medical explanation at present. It is definitive and yet defies medical explanation. In her book, Marion writes about getting this beautiful, magnificent feeling, telling her that if the stretcher was opened, she'd be able to get up and walk. Speaking again in Knock, the Archbishop of Tune, Dr. Michael Neary said today the church formally acknowledges that the healing does not admit to any medical explanation and joins in prayer, praise and thanksgiving. In those situations, the church, he says, must always be very cautious. This is illustrated by the fact that it's taken 30 years 
since she got the healing in Knock, during which time the examination by the Medical Bureau at the Knock Shrine testified that there is no medical explanation for this healing and her various doctors and consultants, and she was attending many of them at the time, all say they have absolutely no explanation for how this woman arrived in Knock on a stretcher muscles were just not working she was she wasn't walking her muscles were actually described as being wasted throat and speech affected uh, and she was a very very sick woman in her late 30s and here we are 30 years later I saw a clip of her actually on the news uh, yesterday she was there with her husband looking hale and hearty and and a very healthy looking uh, woman so but it's taken 30 years I was surprised that it's the first I thought there had been other cures that were attributed to knock. There obviously has been other ones that they're still investigating so they don't just jump in straight away and say oh yeah this is a cure, this is a cure. So and I know that there will be a lot of people have uh, an interest in knock and have great devotion to Our Lady in uh, knock. But as I say I'm maybe somebody one of my regular listeners may remember do they remember me? I'm nearly absolutely convinced that I've interviewed that woman because definitely her story Marion Carl's story what didn't come as any surprise to me I knew the story so if I'd read the book I must have interviewed uh, the woman uh, as I say her book is simply called I Was Cured at Knock uh, 1850 some of your texts coming into the programme I can see questions for Annalise keep those coming please we were talking about childminders in the last hour on the programme and we were talking in particular about the new rules and regulations that, that Catherine Sapone, the Minister for Children is trying to bring in to regulate childminders to everybody's benefit both for the childminder and for the children and I brought up the topic of grandparents and we have a huge and I don't know if there's actual figures or not but there's, there is a very large cohort of grandparents who act as childminders now they would never see themselves in the role as childminders and I'm open to correction, but I'm assuming the majority do it for free. There's, there's no payment. Now, maybe some get a bit, get a few bob. Maybe their families feel that they should give them a few bob by way of thank you for the wonderful care and attention that they're giving. But most grandparents do it because they love to do it. And in these new rules and regulations, grandparents are not going to be included. And I think a lot of that's got to do with, you remember Shane Ross was talking about introducing this granny payment or granddad payment. It, it was always the granny grant it was known as. And I'm not being sexist. I'm not taking away from grandfathers to look after their children, but it was called the granny grant. And he wanted to give all grandparents who were looking after uh, children, I think it was a thousand euro a year by way of a grant. And there was uproar over that at the time. So I think whenever childminding gets mentioned in grandparents since that people say oh they're going to bring in the granny grant again so they're not bringing in the granny grant but because of that also grandparents are not being included in what Catherine Sapone is trying to introduce but it has prompted a text in from a listener saying most grannies and granddads wouldn't hear of charging to mind their grandchildren as it's a very rewarding job. Just think of all the enjoyment that they, the little ones, bring us. We mind our grandchild. And when she went to preschool last week for the first time, we missed her so much for those few hours. She is such a joy. I absolutely love doing what I'm doing. Well done. Well done. That's terrific. And that's the way it is for a lot of grandparents. Not for all. There are other grandparents who don't want to get involved who would clearly state I've raised my own children 
uh, you know, like you to come and visit, but you bring them home with you. You look after them yourself. They're yours to raise. They're not mine to raise. And that's fine, too. That's fine, too, because you'll have other younger grannies and granddads who are out at work. You've other, also got grandparents who don't live close enough in which to be able to help out with the child minding. But it's when it works, it is an absolute delight. And I think if you asked any working parent if they were to handpick who would look after their child when they were not av- available because of work to do it. I think the majority would would opt and say granny or granddad. Uh, but it's just, you know, not granny and granddad isn't always around as well. Sadly, they're not all still with us to be able to do it. But when it works, it works so well. And that sounds like a delightful setup. And I could imagine how lonely you were for those few hours when she goes off to preschool. But you'll get used to that. You will get used to it. And then the excitement of collecting her afterwards. And that, that just adds to another little special memory uh, in your day. And then somebody else on Childminding says, the child does much better in small groups. That actually came up in my chat with Childminding Ireland. The child does much better in small groups. Why not encourage a parent to look after the child? That would be a small enough group. Now, I, I am I taking it from that text, because that's where it ends, there's no name on it, and there's nothing further added to it, that that's somebody having a pop-off, a working parent, is it? And you're saying to the working parent, instead of looking for a childminder or a creche, and it's recognised that children do better in smaller groups, give up the job and look after your own child. And that's all very good and very proper and, and lovely. And most parents would love to do it. And mammies in the main would love to be in a position. But sadly, in you know, come into the real world, come into 2019, please, and look at the bills that have to be paid and look at the size of mortgages and trying to repay a mortgage. Not everyone is in that position that they're able to say, I am going to stay at home until my little one is old enough to look after themselves, until they go to school or whatever it is. I mean, only last week we had a mother on, I don't know what topic we were discussing, who was making that point, just saying how you know difficult life is now that they were going back to school and whatever, and how she loved the relaxed pace when she was on maternity leave, but she's unfortunately not in the position where she's able to just give up work and, and stay at home. So if that's what you're, you're hitting at, Working parents have uh, have enough guilt without you adding to it. But thank you for your text to 0862-103-103. On the fire in Douglas Village and whether water sprinklers should have been used, whether people should have got in there with fire extinguishers, Sandy said the risk of spontaneous combustion is high in car fires and vehicles nearby can just explode. A while back there was a report that Tesla Tesla have the uh, electric cars recommended allowing their electric car batteries to burn out. If it ever went on fire don't go near it, don't try to put it out leave it burn out even though there would be fumes from that particular battery that had acid in it similar to the feared fumes from the battery storage facility which is due to be built just across the border in uh, Kerry that has so many people worried in that area. Fire brigade staff are the only ones with gear and training necessary for firefighting so says uh, Sandy. But on the the spontaneous combustion is high in car fires somebody else was on Dennis was the man in the know who was on this is to do with the sprinkler system and whether you would put water onto a car that's on fire and he said there's a report out from Engineers Ireland they published a report 
on the specific issue of whether sprinklers should be used in underground uh, car parks and they found the instance of fatalities and injuries is zero and that the property loss is around 95% lower than that of an uncontrolled fire. The idea being that if Douglas if the, if the Douglas car park had had sprinklers I'm not saying 95% of the cars could have been saved but it is possible rather than an uncontrolled uh, car. 1850-333-103 on the All-Ireland yesterday. You really have to admire the Dublin team yesterday for keeping so cool says this texture. It wasn't 14 men against 15 it was 14 against 16. Now, is that so? Again, I love when people put in these texts and they don't give me any more and I have to try and guess. I'm assuming you're having a pop off the ref, is it? And that you reckon the ref was on the Kerry side, not on the Dublin side. So that gave them an extra player. Is that what you're saying to me? And Dan in Kinsale, this is on the school buses. Hi, Patricia. Bus Aaron would need to remove the age limit that they have in place for school bus drivers. The law states that I could drive a bus. This is Dennis from Kinsale. I could drive a bus from Bandon to Germany. Absolutely no problem. Wouldn't be breaking any rules or regulations or any laws. But I can't drive a bus from Bandon to Inishannon for bus Aaron if I am 70 and uh, over. That's from Dan in Kinsale. Dan, you're not the first bus driver to raise that particular issue with us. And we've heard from many bus drivers who were doing fantastic work every morning, getting up, bringing the kiddies to school, never had an accident absolutely loved their job. The children on the bus built up a relationship with these guys and gals. We've got some great female bus drivers as well. And then I don't know why, but Bus Aaron have decided that 70 is the cutoff age. And that is it. Once you are 70, you're no longer allowed to drive a school bus. And it's causing its own problems because we don't have enough bus drivers. Talk to any bus company, not just for Bus Aaron, but indeed for anybody else. We have a shortage of bus drivers, which is going to, it is creating problems, particularly around school bus transportation. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Aware. They're currently looking for volunteers in Mallow. It's to train as facilitators for their local support and self-care group and details are available at aware.ie and training is coming up next weekend so please uh, get involved. Dunmanway Further Education and Training Centre they're holding an open day tomorrow Tuesday from 10am to 4pm and then again tomorrow night 7 to 8pm I invite you to come along and see what courses they have on offer. Seven Cork artists are hosting a showcase of their work through different mediums and different subjects. It's at CIT Cork School of Music and it is from this Wednesday, September 4th and it will run for one month. Mallow Arch Club are resuming their demonstrations on Thursday, half past seven in the Mercy Centre. Keanu Sullivan will do a portrait in acrylic. And Carriganima Run and Walk is our next Saturday, half past three start. Registration will open from two. Music and a raffle that night in the pub in Carriganima, with all proceeds going to Mill Street and McCroom Hospitals. This Wednesday on C103's Court Today Show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. 
Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. And still time for you to get your questions in for Annalise, uh, please. There's a lovely birthday request in, if I can find it here in the text. So there it is. Um, would you say hi, please, and say happy birthday to my mother, Mary O'Brien of Ballinla, Fremont. Today, Mary celebrates her 101st birthday. And Dennis, her son, says she is in top form, being very well looked after by her very her two very kind daughters Mary and uh, Nancy in uh, Coachford so all the very best and hope you're having a wonderful day and no doubt there's a cake and there's a lot of celebrations going on in Coachford happy birthday Mary O'Brien 101 today that uh, is is terrific OK let me go to the phone lines Finbar uh, joins me from Limerick this morning good morning to you Finbar I'm very well now you're in Limerick but you drive every day around the country and your drive takes you on some occasions to Mallow yeah. And you have a problem with the road in, in Bellevue where Dano's super value is to the Church of the yeah. Resurrection, that general area. Yeah. Okay, what's the issue? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, my Kylie's path is a 50 kilometre sign on the road. And it's where it is, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you go up to Dano's by the traffic light, there's another one there at the right hand side of the road, 50 kilometres, but it's in the right side, but the wrong place. What, you reckon people don't see it? Well, it's in the wrong place for the staff, so it shouldn't be where it is. Or right on, on, the, on the traffic lights, it should be further down, it should be down by the Church of the Resurrection, coming by the, by the road off the Church of the Resurrection. It's in the wrong place totally. And because it's in the wrong place, is, do you think it's affecting speed on that road? Oh, no, no, it's not, but it's just, it's just it doesn't show it's a 50 mile kilometres, you know what I mean? Yeah. And first of all, I've been there a few times now, and the traffic passing through there is legal. They don't even they don't even slow down to fifty kilometres between sixty and sixty-five and seventy kilometres. There, I've seen it. I've rung the guards about it several times. And and, and for people, I mean, people in Mallow will know exactly what you're talking about. But for people outside the area, it's a residential built-up area. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's a school, there's a church, there's Dano Super Value is a huge big supermarket, there's a post office there, and, and a lot of housing. Exactly, exactly. And there should be there should be ramps on the road that will slow people down. I, I put my hands down several times with people flying past there and they just put the two fingers up to me. What, you try to wave them down to say, slow yeah. it down, boys, kind of thing, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And it's it's... That road also has become particularly busy since the end of July when the work started on the boardwalk on the bridge because all the diverted traffic is going down that road. Oh, exactly. It is terrible there, absolutely. If, if you were down the road and just stood there for five minutes, you'd actually be frightened because the, the footpaths are, are on level with the road and how someone... Well, there has been one accident there going back a few years ago, but there has been several car tips there. But it's scandalous the way there's no one you know, trying to traffic, you know, put up these speed limits or... Why so you think a solution would be, well, move the speed limit sign for a start? Yeah. And is, and ramps? Yeah. yeah, there should be ramps put there. Definitely there should be ramps put there to slow them down because there was a fellow passed there one night on a tractor with driving in 
one of these big um, green tractors. Uh, it was the speed he was doing. He must have been doing sixty on it. And if he hit someone with a muskrat at the back of it, a John Deere tractor actually. And if he hit someone, he wouldn't even let know it beat him because it was so big and heavy. It was awful to see it. And I rang the guards about it and they said, which way did he go? I just said he was out towards the big factory. He could have turned off towards Quartz. He could have gone anywhere. Yes. could have gone anywhere. And when you drive, for, you drive for a living, do you, do, you, do you drive for a living or it's just that you've got to drive to get where you need to go or are you driving for a living, Fimber? I will drive for a living as okay. well. You know? So do you see a lot of crazy driving when you're out oh, there? Oh, God, do I what? Terrible. Absolutely scandalous. Absolutely awful driving. Terrible. Is it getting worse? Oh, it's getting worse. And actually, Daniels is absolutely lethal because I played a camp with Ramster. I just don't understand it because I come through Bodivin regularly, and maybe you probably know it as well. And the Rams in the main street in Bodivin. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a main road. So, I mean, Daniels is a slip road, if you like. They've uh, done, actually, they've done great work in, in Bodivin and, and, you know, long overdue, the people of Bodivin will say. But those ramps, and it's, awesome. a, it's a big wide road, but those ramps slow everybody down. I mean, they do oh, work. They do oh, work. They we have to slow down because there's one exactly at uh, the school in Budapest and you really have to slow down to practically five kilometres because you just won't go over it if you go too fast. Yeah. You, know, you break something, you know. All right. OK, stay safe on the roads, uh, Finbar. Okay. Thanks for highlighting that. Okay. Uh, 1850 Questions for Annalise, please. I can see those uh, coming in. Somebody, by the way, by sent this in by WhatsApp um, earlier on saying, where can I buy Nurofen Flash? Oh, I didn't even know what Neurofen Flash was, so I googled it, and uh, it just seems to be a Neurofen product. I mean, if it is, yeah, Neurofen Flash. I I don't know what what Flash. It doesn't seem to contain codeine. It like it isn't a Neurofen Plus. I'm assuming that you'll get it in any chemist, but I don't know where the listener. It just says Mary. I don't know where Mary is texting from, but I would assume at your local chemist. Mary is where you will get it. It's just a, a version of uh, Neurofem. And hi, Patricia. This is on grandparents looking after their children. Hi, Patricia. Just to say, I think any young parent now should feel so lucky and honoured to have any grandparents available to child mind. But let me tell you, I know several that don't respect or value this. I would see it as a mega bonus for any parent to have the comfort of a grandmother or a grandfather to mind their child. I wish my parents were alive for me and for my children. Ah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there is nothing like the bond that you get between a child and a grandparent. And if the grandparent is around a lot and obviously if you're child minding, they're spending a lot of time with the child, they will have a bond that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I've said it before in this programme, you instill in young children a love and respect of two things, older people, and animals. And I think if you can do that in young children, if you can get that level of respect, they'll bring that with them if they're if they won't do anything to hurt an animal or an older person and they'll carry that through life. They won't be. I don't think they'll go far off the rails. I could be wrong, but I've I've always had a firm, firm belief in that. Keep your children as much as you can where possible in contact with your grandparents. But as that listener said, it isn't always possible. Grandparents, sadly, aren't always with us. They're they're not still alive to be able to help in any way to look uh, look after the grandchildren or to be involved in any way. So appreciate them is that listener's message. If you are lucky enough to have Granny our granddad looking after your grandchildren then please 
appreciate it and respect and value. Uh, and I'm, I'm, it saddens me to see that you write in your text that you know several that don't respect our value. It's shame on them if they don't. Okay, let's take a break and let's get Annalise Drisella, nutritional therapist, onto the program with John Paul taking the calls eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three, or you can text or WhatsApp me and come straight in here to the studio. Take a bit of pressure off John Paul to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. C103 Anthems. C103 Anthems. The biggest songs of all time. C103 Anthems. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Songs that continue to inspire generations. C103 Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's Greatest Hits. And before we go to Annalise, just very quickly, there was a text in to do with parking in Mallow. Patricia, can I drive into the council car park near Little, entering from the park road side? I'm coming from... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Charleville, and I have to go to Mallow in the morning. Is that area closed off due to the road works? Thanking you at the boardwalk in Mallow. No, you'll be fine because you'll come in from the roundabout down onto the park road and you'll be able to access that car park. No problem at all. It's the, it's only one lane of the bridge is closed. It's the north. It's coming from the south side of town to the north side of town and the bridge is closed. But the park road is absolutely perfect. And as we heard, it should be this day next week. Fingers crossed that the bridge should be fully open and operational in Mallow. We'll get on to the council uh, later on in the week just to make sure that that still is on target. Annalise Drisella, nutritional therapist, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. Okay, straight into questions. Rita was on to say her son is on what she describes as a reflux tablet for a year and a half from the doctor. He's in his 30s. He's been on it constantly now for a year and a half. She's wondering, is that normal at this age and could it do damage to be that long taking a daily tablet? Well, those tablets, generally they're kind of antacid. Uh, they stop the acid build up in the stomach. So um, I think the usual one is um, amaprazole. Yeah. Some, it might be called Nexium or different names, but that's the generic name for it. And they are supposed to be, if you read the fine print, for short-term use only. So there are risks associated with long-term use. But it's risk versus benefit as well, because if you have acid reflux um, over a long period of time, it increases your risk of cancer of the of the um, esophagus. It's called uh, Barrett's esophagitis is actually the official name for it. And it means that you are more likely to get cancer of the esophagus. So there are natural ways to manage it if he did want to come off his tablet. There's two products that I would recommend. The first one is um, something called zinc carnosin, C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. 
And that tablet helps to tighten up that little sphincter muscle at the top of the stomach um, to prevent the acid, you know, from from coming back up. And the second thing then is slippery elm. Slippery elm comes from the slippery elm tree and it creates a kind of a mucilage type of a coating that goes all the way down the esophagus and it'll also coat the stomach. So it's brilliant for anybody who's got inflammation in the stomach or ulcers. Now with slippery elm, you have to take it before you eat because the idea is that it needs to do its coating work. And between the two of those, it can decrease uh, the amount of reflux that you have, but also it's very, very healing if there has been any damage done from acid. It also means that you still get good acid released into the stomach, so you're well able to digest your food. You're able to, your minerals like calcium and magnesium, zinc, they all need to be slightly acidified before they can be absorbed. So long-term use of those antacids could increase your risk of osteoporosis. So if you go the natural route, that's all cancelled out. Okay, well done. And Margaret says, I'm suffering from constipation. And now Margaret says she eats lots of fruit. Any uh, suggestions for her? Yeah, so constipation is a difficult one in in, in a way, Patricia, but it's very simple in others. So it's very much a personal thing. And in my experience, it's down to a number of different things. Now, if you have enough fibre in your diet and enough water and enough exercise, you should be having a bowel movement every day. And if you're not, there's something else going on. So the first thing could be that possibly you're not digesting your food properly, particularly your fats and your proteins. And what happens if your protein and fats don't get digested is they create a, a clay-like stool in your, in your colon, which is very, very sticky. So if you, when you do go to the loo, if it's a bit sticky, it is probably a digestive issue. So it's sitting like, you know, it can kind of impact in the colon and cause constipation that way. So that's one reason. The second reason is people will often find they get constipated maybe after medications, particularly antibiotics. So that's more to do with the balance of the good and the bad bacteria. So you need the beneficial bacteria in there. They um, feed on the fibre that we don't, uh, that we can't digest, and they create a healthy environment and and. That's the goal, really, I suppose, in terms of healthy bacteria. So if they're disordered, again, you can suffer from constipation. And then the third reason um, would be a food intolerance. So if you're a person who's kind of suffered your whole life from constipation, um, you know, if you've always struggled to go to the loo, it's more than likely that a particular food that you're eating is causing the problem. So the difference between a food intolerance and a food allergy is that with an allergy, you'll know fairly quickly that you've eaten something, you'll probably get swelling and itchy. Whereas an intolerance really means that your immune system is still responding, but it's much milder. So they're very hard to pin down. The most common ones um, are actually egg and dairy. Most people always think of wheat and gluten when they think of food intolerance. But actually, in my experience of having done hundreds of tests for people, Patricia, egg is the number one, dairy is probably the number two, and wheat or gluten would be the number three. So take a look at those foods, maybe try and cut them out of your diet for a while and see does that improve. Seems to make a difference. Okay, text in. Uh, I'm looking for a non-medical treatment of psoriasis on my nail beds. I've been on medication which have worked temporarily. My option now is Metatrex. Metatrex, But I'd prefer not to be on any of these. Any advice, please? Yeah. So methotrexate can work very well for any autoimmune condition and psoriasis is actually an autoimmune disorder where the signal to the skin gets confused uh, with the immune system. So our skin is constantly turning over, Patricia. 
um, you know, we lose skin cells every single day. But when you've got psoriasis, it's turning over so quickly that you're losing many, many layers of skin. But instead of um, sloughing off, they form a very kind of hardened plaque. And it can crack, it can ooze and be sore, can be itchy for some people. Um, and methotrexate is a common drug used for it. Now, one of the side effects of methotrexate, if you're a young person, you can't get pregnant for at least three to five years after you stop taking it. Whoa. So it is pretty serious as a drug. Um, and there are natural ways to treat psoriasis. It's a very individual process. And often it's linked with the gut as well. Um, any autoimmune disorder, there's often a gut link because... 80% of our immune system really resides in our gut. So if it's disordered there, it can have knock-on effects to the rest of the body. Um, now, this wouldn't be a typical medical opinion, but we see it all the time when we work naturopathically, that if you can get the gut right, a lot of the time autoimmune symptoms will decrease. So I think have a look at the gut is my first thing to say. And then other things that might help. Some people have had great success with something called Oregon Grape Root. So it's a particular plant, obviously, that has been growing in Oregon in America. And you can take it in capsule form and you can also get a BAM, Oregon Grapefruit BAM. And I've had very good feedback and success with people that have small, smaller patches of psoriasis. It has cleared it up for them. And what is it about getting out in the sun really helps to clear up? Not again with everyone, with a lot of people, it'll help clear up psoriasis. If for some people it can, Patricia. And then again, like this is another thing with autoimmune disease. Um, many studies have shown that people with autoimmune disorder are very low in vitamin D, so they need much higher amounts of vitamin D than the average person. And again, vitamin D actually used to be, when I was in college, we didn't really do much um, study on vitamin D. There wasn't much known about it and there wasn't much interest in it. But it's been found in recent years to have a massive impact in terms of the immune system function, even though it's not fully understood exactly how yet. So it does seem that people with autoimmune disorder like psoriasis or rheumatoid arthritis are generally lower in vitamin D than the average population. So the sun, that's probably why the sun helps, is that it's giving you a good dose of vitamin D. But for a lot of people, psoriasis can actually aggravate. Uh, sorry, sunlight can actually aggravate psoriasis. So again, it's a kind of a fine line. Yeah, it doesn't, on your doesn't, own personal, yeah, it doesn't yeah. work for... I remember meeting um, a young woman in on holidays in Spain and God she was just head to toe with psoriasis it was, I'd never seen a case so bad and she said the only place she got relief when she was on her two weeks holidays and it would it would clear up, clear up. N- not completely clear up but be a lot better when she was heading home but she said as soon as she got back home she was back to square one again but that worked for her but it doesn't work for everybody as you say. It, it does exactly and a lot of the time um, Patricia things like eczema will clear up as well in the yeah. sun and in, in the seawater I'm always a great believer in seawater as well for clearing things but I do think our climate here is particularly bad. Um, and again, it's a complex link and it's not always the case. But I think we have a huge amount of mould in Ireland and particularly in Cork because we're in a valley. And I do think a lot of people are allergic to the moulds, are intolerant to moulds. And that will aggravate, that affects the gut and it aggravates all autoimmune conditions. So that could be another explanation when you're in a, a, a dry climate, Why is, things yeah. will clear up. Okay, uh, Pat in brackets, female Pat. Hi, Patricia and Annalise. I'm I'm after being to the doctor to check for heavy legs and poor balance on uneven ground. Nothing's been found, but could Annalise suggest any supplements that might help improve with these heavy legs and poor balance on uneven ground? That's a, it's a difficult question, Patricia, because again, it's down to like what 
is causing it. Um, and because there is no specific natural one for balance, um, it depends what is affecting the balance. Now, sometimes the inner ear can be affected um, and that will affect balance. People who suffer from vertigo, which is a viral infection that causes inflammation in the inner ear, will know fine well what it's like because it'll affect their balance and it'll be like being seasick all the time. They'll just have terrible nausea. And that's a balance issue. So if this lady suffers, she only has the balance on uneven ground. So that is, that's more complicated. I'm not sure why she doesn't have balance issues when she's on you Firm know, even ground. ground. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, maybe something is happening with her tendons or with her joints that they're not able to hold her. And when she's on even ground, she's under more pressure there. Um, I don't really have an answer for that one, I'm afraid. Um, it would be important to know what was causing the problem. Back to the doctor again. Well, or even maybe just call into the shop here because there'd be a lot more questions I'd need to ask. ask. Okay. But heavy legs often can be, you know, can be um, water retention. Yeah. And it can be also maybe a lack of magnesium. So try some magnesium, um, see how that helps. And then maybe if that doesn't work, go down the water retention route, which is taking things like dandelion and burdock, nettle tea are great for kind of water retention. Seaweed baths are amazing for people who retain water in, in their body. It's great to help get the, the fluid moving and out. Okay. Hi, Annalise. Could you recommend anything for feeling like you're coming down with something, but then nothing happens? I'm feeling totally exhausted and miserable. I tried Source of Life, but it didn't agree with my tummy. Okay. Yeah, that is... Um that's a sign, Patricia, of a really good immune system in a sense. Um, when you start knowing your body, you'll always uh, be able to figure out when your immune system is actually ramping up fighting something. Tiredness is one of the first signs that your body is fighting. Or sometimes it could be a headache if, if you um, get swollen glands in your neck. If they're tender to press and touch, that can be another sign. So it sounds to me for this listener that their immune system is doing a great job but it's maybe not fully getting rid of what they need to get rid of or possibly they're being exposed to a lot of different viruses at the moment. So what I would suggest is support the immune system. Take something like um, the Dr. Delish Clare Immune Support Blend is wonderful. That's what I go to every time when I know I'm starting to sicken. I take that and it generally comes to nothing. Um, and I, I get over whatever it is in a couple of days. And the second thing I think that's wonderful for the immune system, but also to give you a bit of a buzz, is the olive leaf extract. And you should get that in liquid form because it's not strong enough in the tablet form. So olive leaf extract, if you can't get your hands on the Dr. Delish Clare Immune Blend. Okay, hi, Annelies. Is it okay to use the butter and margarine tubs, empty obviously, to freeze soup? Would you see anything wrong with that? Well, it, no, not really, Patricia. So plastic can actually leach out chemicals into your food. But it's generally when the plastic is um, at room temperature or in the sunlight or when it's being heated. So I'm, look, I, I think in the freezer, there's no heat. There's going to be, it's very unlikely that you're going to get any leaching of chemicals. But you should certainly never put plastic into the microwave. You shouldn't um, be drinking out of plastic bottles, really, especially if it's going to be on your desk in a warm office or if you're sitting near a window, because that way you do get all the leaching of the of the chemicals, particularly um, some of them actually are estrogenic as well, Patricia. So they do mimic estrogens in the body, so they can increase people's risk of estrogenic cancers. So just be careful. In, with, there's a link, yeah. Okay, and Mary says, going to the toilet a lot, uh, bowel movement four times a day. Is that okay? 
Not, I don't think so. Even if you were eating a diet really, really high in fibre, you should probably not go more than twice a day. Um, it depends on whether the stool is well formed. If it's not, um, then the food is going through your body too quickly. And at that point, you're not getting the nutrition out of your food. It's too fast for your body to be able to process and absorb all your vitamins and minerals. So the first thing I'd recommend there is maybe trying something like Alflorex. It's actually made here in Cork and it's a probiotic that is very, it's very good for people suffering from IBS. And in my experience, it works best for those with IBS diarrhea. So you'd be able to get that um, in any health shop. Um, it's called Alflorex, A-L-F-L-O-R-E-X. And if that doesn't sort out the problem, you need to look into it a little bit more because it's possibly something you're eating or maybe it's that your gut is a bit inflamed after medication. Um, and but it is a normal is the, is the main message. It's not normal. And okay. then I think long term, you would definitely be depleted of nutrients. OK, we'll leave it there. We'll chat again next Monday. Thanks, Annalise. Thanks, Patricia. That's Annalise Drissel, the Health Hub, Times Square, Ballangolic. The victorious Cork Minor All-Ireland winning team will arrive for a homecoming event in Clyde Rovers at GEA Grounds. That's tonight at half past eight. That's where I leave you. Talk to you tomorrow at ten. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.